0: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry, featuring hosts Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer at Publicis, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott.
1: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 251, being recorded on Thursday, January 21st, 2021. That's a lot of 21s. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners.
0: It's our annual tradition here at the Jason Scott Show to put out some predictions. Um, It's a little bit of a Jason versus Scott competition to see which of us is best at predicting the trends and the future of retail, e-commerce, and payments. If you've been following us uh, for a while, way back in episode 204, that's when we made our predictions for 2020. Uh, We did that in, I believe, January of 2020, just like we're doing here in 2021. And way back then, we combined an annual recap, and then we did our predictions, and that show was six hours. So uh, being uh, <laughs> wise podcasters, we decided that's a lot of Jason and Scott to digest in one sitting. So uh, good news, we have split it up this year. So last week, we did the annual recap, and then this year, that frees us up to do the predictions. So what we like to do here is go through our predictions and score how we did. So that'll be the first half of this episode. And then to make it fun, we like to uh read each other's predictions and, and uh see how uh the other person did and then uh try to do a um you know a negotiation, I guess I would call it. Uh yeah, so uh we try to come to terms with some kind of a scoring. Uh it's always hard uh because Usually I beat Jason so bad. I try to try to sandbag a little bit. So uh, we'll see if that works out this year. Jason, anything you want to add before we jump into it?
1: No i I want this to be one of my favorite shows of the year. But uh, as you alluded to, I generally get shellacked so bad that it starts out fun for me, and by the end, I'm just totally depressed.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um,
1: we'll see how it goes for you this year. Yeah, it's a new year, so I'm I'm. Uh, optimistic. It's like the San Diego chart or LA Chargers at the beginning of the season before they have to play anyone. I will say,
0: um when we first started podcasting, you said, "Scott, I've read all these articles and the biggest thing is being consistent." And that was in 2015. So <laughs> so dang if we haven't been consistent. So we started in November of 2015, so then we did 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So this will be our 6th year of making these predictions. If That's a math right that I don't think you are right. I may have an n plus one problem. yes, this is either our fifth or sixth year of doing these predictions.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll get the intern on that um but let's let's jump into them, so I have your twenty twenty predictions in front of me, and uh your your first one was kind of a doom and gloom you Uh, As as I'm recalling, in January of 2020, Shopify was very hot and buzzy, and I believe your prediction was that they would wilt a little bit and that new competition would come in with more innovative angles and that they would have a decline. Yeah, I kind of blame you for this one.
0: You got me so sold on headless commerce. uh, I probably jumped the gun a little bit. Also, um, again, we made these predictions in January. And I don't think we had even heard of coronavirus at that point. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember?
1: <laughs> uh, it was not even... common uh, because I had a trip coming up uh, at the time to China. I had actually like they were starting to like mildly talk about it um, in January then. But definitely, yeah, these predictions were not influenced by by uh, any corona awareness. Yeah. So this was a total zero. um yeah, I want to the, say their stock was at four fifty when you made that prediction, and you can get it for the the budget price of eleven ninety three right now.
0: Yeah, it was super overpriced, and then COVID hit, and then the revenue surged from like fifty percent growth to one hundred percent growth, and then the stock uh, followed. And yeah,
1: so that was a bad one. So that that one was a zero. It was a dud. It's good. It's good to get one of those under your belt, though. Um. So then your second prediction was. Uh, that FedEx would do something dramatic like uh, uh, buy eBay or merge with Alibaba?
0: Yeah, the driver on this one is, um, you know, the, the Amazon is exerting pressure across into multiple ecosystems simultaneously, and one of them is shipping. And I do feel like UPS and FedEx are feeling that pressure. Um, You know, again, the pandemic just kind of changed this one. So everyone, I think, yeah, you know, stopped worrying about oh my gosh, what's gonna happen with Amazon to how do we ship so many packages? So this was a miss too. I will um throw myself uh to the 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 jury though. There was the Shoprunner acquisition, which I think is massively strategic. It Effectively <laughs> gives FedEx a complete prime competitor. So they're going they've won up to Amazon. Shoprunner's better than Prime. Ten times as
1: many subscribers, I think. I, I we'll believe. Have we'll I have to have someone fact check. Amazon out. might actually be getting out of the Prime business because they just they they don't want to compete with the the FedEx ShopRunner duopoly. Could it could happen? Yeah, uh, I I I totally see the spirit of this prediction. Um, there was a lot of financial stress on uh, FedEx, and uh, yeah, I I could you could imagine something big happening uh i think this illustrates to me like one of my biggest learnings from having done a bunch of these prediction shows which is uh having a good idea of what might happen isn't even as useful as uh getting lucky on the time horizon because i feel like you and i have both made predictions that like we're just too early right or or something like that so still wouldn't surprise me to see some dramatic evolution of those those carriers I'll give you half a point for shoprunner because I'm a, a generous guy. Um, I believe in the earnings call someone asked uh, if uh, shoprunner was going to have an impact on their financials and they said not that it wasn't a material acquisition. but uh, I kind of suspect shoprunner was a little bit of a uh, sort of a, a budget exit for for shoprunner. Let's corporate speak for this is the future of our company. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe it will be. I, I hope it is for them. <laughs> um, so I'll give you. I'm giving you zero on Shopify. I'll give you half a point for for ShopRunner. Um, I believe they also bought a cardboard box company that you failed to mention. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three. Yeah. Uh, so number three. Uh, that this will be the year of returns. Um and you predicted that Happy Returns, which is one of the, the vendors that facilitates e-commerce returns, um would make a huge cash raise in the in the space. You said they'd raise a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Uh I in this
0: one I failed to learn from many of your failures, which are being too specific, so I was super specific here. I tried to capture it by making it your returns. I will again throw myself to the jury that we did have return So the 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 other side of the ship coin is we are now swimming in returns. Um, you know, you could be um, super specific and say that really didn't happen in the year. It did happen in the bookends of our episodes, though. So I don't know. Well, uh, I'll I'll be generous to you on that one. For one of your predictions of you be generous to me. Uh, so, so I do feel like it is a big returns year, and, and there were several articles written about the, you know, this. Um, there was one. Did you see it where it showed like a UPS facility and people were like literally swimming in packages? Um, so, you know, I do think it was a, a year of returns where there was a much brighter light shined on that. Uh, but uh, Happy Returns did not raise their hundred million. Um, bummer for those guys. Um, there was, uh, so I did look and there was a fair amount of funding activity. So happy returns has raised 25 return logic two. loop returns, 15 million. So it is a hot category. I get a lot of calls from VCs poking around this category. So, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't actually know how to score this one. So I'll, I'll defer to you.
1: Yeah. I'll give you half a point. Uh, cause I agree. It was just a poorly worded prediction. I think, uh, the spirit of your predictions that it would be a significant year for returns is fair. Um, it, as it happens, like it's, it, it's going to be 2021 is going to be the big return year. And while there was a lot of returns, the first half of January, a lot of that's still going to be in progress. And we, we certainly haven't seen any of the numbers yet, but I, uh, I, I would certainly concur, um, that there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, interesting things going on in returns this year in response to to uh, you know the huge spike in e commerce sales we saw we saw last year. So uh, I'll, I'll give you half a point.
0: Okay, so
1: generous. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the uh, I feel like uh, when you're when you lose by a lot, like there's no point in playing really tight defense. Um, and I, I I feel like this next one's not going to be very controversial on the scoring. Mall again and continues in 2020. Uh, and I, I think you, you couldn't have known, uh, what a disaster 2020 is going to be for malls, uh, or would be become for malls. Um, foot traffic in the malls is probably down 50% for the year. Sales for the anchor stores is down more than 30% for the year. So it was a disaster. Again, you were pretty specific on your prediction. You, you said that at least 8,000 stores would close. And, um, I believe the, the source that you and I most use for that, uh, had the number at 8,721. So you, you cleared it by 10%. Yeah. This is where oddly enough, the pandemic helped my prediction. Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel
0: like, I feel like there's going to be another, I feel like the big wave is actually coming this year. Have you seen any predictions on that? Or are you going to pontificate on that?
1: Uh, so I do I do have a mild prediction in the space. Like the the public prediction that comes up most often is is a huge amount of stores closing, but over a five year period. So not necessarily all this year or next year, um, but like twenty five percent of retail stores closing over the next five years is the is the number, and a thousand malls closing over the next five years are the are the kind of often uh, reported uh, public ones. Yeah, I can see it. I, I'm, I'm, uh, for newer listeners, I'm down in North
0: Carolina and, um, we have, I'm in the Raleigh, Durham area. There's a little town called Cary, um, and it has kind of like a B mall. Uh, and it just go by, by Epic Games and they're going to turn it into a headquarters. I've been doing some little road trips around, like we went to the mountains recently and the malls up there are literally, you know, maybe like 10% of the stores are open. It's like the weirdest thing in these small southern malls that used to have a, you know, they'd have a Belk's, a Sears, a Penny, a Macy's. Um, you know, generally two of those anchors are gone and sometimes there'll be one anchor left, sometimes maybe none. So you'll be in the mall and like the whole anchor is just like cordoned off with effectively duct tape. Or Sometimes they'll put some really weird stuff in there, like little tables of these people selling random tchotchkes, like almost like a bazaar type thing. It's really, really very odd Um And then there's all these other weird dead parts of the mall where they'll put in, you know, like um, they'll have like Thursday night magic, the gathering night. um, And they'll, you know, but it's like 8,000 square feet used one night for some, you know, game event for something. So it's really strange going into some of these malls that are on their last leg.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) The, um, the the top malls are still doing pretty well, although they were even negatively affected by, by COVID. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, COVID was, apparel was already in trouble and COVID was super rough on apparel. And of course, uh, you know, uh, as apparel goes, department stores go and as department stores go, malls go. So you, you basically had COVID knocking down this, um, series of, uh, of, um, dominoes, um, and yeah, it's 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 gonna uh, be pretty rough a couple of years for uh you know it, I I personally doubt that we're ever gonna see department stores or apparel stores or malls get get back to kind of pre pandemic levels. Yeah, I know this one chokes you up, so let's move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, figuratively and literally. Um, and so then your fifth prediction, uh, and this one's gonna be yeah, I'm gonna be curious to hear you you talk to this one. Google gets aggressive in e-commerce. Yeah.
0: And uh, this one, I was careful to not say that it would work. Um, <laughs> um, and so what they did, if we kind of recap the highlights of 2020 from Google, what they've done is they hired a guy, Bill Reddy, from PayPal. So they went out and found someone that, you know, um, has e-commerce chops to bring into the company. Um, he immediately kind of opened up. He de-throttled Google Shopping, so let every merchant kind of come in there. Um, then um, they've invested a lot on – and this program is really weird because it has like 16 different names. I like buy on Google, but they don't really call it that. They call it Google Shopping Actions, I think. Is that the latest name? I think it's, you are correct, yes. Yeah, uh, which doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, so, again, I didn't say they'd be effective on these things. So I just say they'd be <laughs> aggressive, Uh So then they, um, that's their, I think of that as their marketplace. I don't think they like to call it that, but to me, it's a marketplace because you buy on Google and, and just like you buy on Amazon and then they route the order to you versus sending people to your website, your, uh, you know, your responsive website. So they took away all the commissions for that so that, um, advertisers would, would utilize it more. And, and I guess they must have gotten pushback. Um, and then so, and then they've, uh, then they also changed the commissions on Google Shopping. They they've, I remember they changed economics. I couldn't find an article to find the time on that, but I remember that happening there too. So yeah, and then you know the, those are the things that say they got a little bit of aggressive there.
1: Yeah, um, well, so I think with your caveat, I'll totally agree and give you a point. Um, I I think they did do uh do a lot uh and I'm not even going to say that they ha- won't work but they haven't uh, yielded significant results yet um but but certainly like we've we've seen a lot of activity there so I'll give you the point so you get in and google full points so that's two uh I gave you half for fedex and uh, happy returns so that's uh 3 out of 5 for your 2020 awesome 60% predicting that's uh it's actually pretty
0: good. Um, one thing I would comment on here that's interesting is there was a report out by Cowan, uh, John Blackledge, and um, I tweeted on this and I sent it to you, Jason. I don't know if you had time to read it, but they went out and did a survey uh, and I'll let you opine on surveys. Um, but it was a lot of folks like you. So it was a lot of these super fancy executives at ad agency type places. Most of them that had shorter have, titles than me. That have long titles except <laughs> – Longish titles where yours is longest. Um, and they effectively said, you know, what are you seeing with Amazon ads? And I thought it was really fascinating. The, the, um, I don't want to spend our whole show on it, but one of the ones that really got my attention was, you know, there was the usual, do you see people spending more or less on Amazon ads? And everyone's like, more. Um, and then the most interesting one was, amongst your client base, where are the dollars coming from? And one way they asked the question, it was like largely TV, but then another way they asked the question, um, it was kind of like within your, maybe the I think the question had a digital framing. So it was kind of like within your customer's digital budget, where are the dollars coming from? And it was like 80% Google. Um, uh, uh, Well, number one was Facebook. So it was like really taking share from Facebook, but then also from Google, now they didn't, I wish the they had gotten a little bit nuanced there because you and I know quote unquote Google includes a fair amount of uh, you know double click kind of banner ad type stuff, uh display. Um they didn't explicitly say Google search, so um you know it would have been nice to see that broken out because it could be what the the digital strategic senior VP directors were saying was um, you know, it's Google display, um, not Google search. Um, but in any case, you know, the message to me was Amazon's, you know, number three, um, pretty far behind the, the duopoly of Facebook and Google. But, you know, they the other chart that was interesting was the asking, you know, what do you say, what do your clients say has the highest return on ads spend? And Amazon was like head and shoulders above. So so it was really fascinating reading all those survey results directionally said to me, um, you know, if I am Google and Facebook, I need to be paying a lot more attention to what's going on at Amazon and figure out how to try to stop them. So um, that was the reason I made this prediction. Um, And I, if anything, I would, I haven't done this, but yeah, I do think you're going to see the rest of the ad world really step up. And then, you know, the thing that's new is the, the increased pressure. uh, So they got Amazon on one front, They've got uh, kind of privacy concerns on, on the other. Um, and then uh, like iOS is coming, you know more about this than I do, but iOS is coming out with this thing that's just going to like totally kill a lot of their tracking. Um, and then the, then you've got the government coming after them on the other side. So so it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, Facebook, Google, and, and uh, how they navigate this this three-way encroachment that's happening on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of market dynamics going on. It, it's super interesting. Um, and, you know, uh, I think you summarized it pretty well. I would just, for listeners that don't follow ad tech that much, 2020 was a weird year. Uh, a lot of traditional television, you know, goes on new programming, a lot of which didn't come out this year, and on live events, a lot of which didn't happen this year. Um, so, you know, it was super easy for marketers to shift a lot of those uh event television dollars to other channels. So digital got a lot of those dollars, but then there was a lot of um, politics and controversy going on in the world. And there was a lot of concern around brand protection. When you just, you know, bought a lot of digital ads on Facebook, would they show up next to, you know, inappropriate negative news and, and uh, all, all sorts of other things. And so uh, uh, one way in which Amazon, benefits is it's a very brand safe place. Like there's no negative editorial on Amazon. It's a very brand safe place to put your money um, in a storm. And I, I would basically agree with the sentiment of the Cowan survey um, uh, amongst all my clients. Amazon has the most mind share as a, a new advertising vehicle. I would, I would almost argue they have too much mind share. Like people, people are irrationally focused on them and, um, and I, you know, I'm not sure they always measure their ads in the the best way. So I would, uh, I, I would always be curious to talk with someone about what their success criteria are when they think that Amazon has the highest ROAs. But, um, but that's maybe for another show. Yeah, we'll do a uh, Jason debunks your Amazon ROAs show. That'll be a barrel of monkeys. Exactly. Not saying it's a. It, I mean, it's a. It's a good vehicle. There's good eyeballs to be had there, but it definitely needs to be part of a portfolio and used strategically.
0: Okay, I'm just giving you a
1: hard time. I like it. Um, we'll add Chief Roaz Bubble Popper to your title. Nice. Uh,
0: okay, let's jump into your predictions.
1: Yeah, um, I know the audience is super excited for these. I'll create a dramatic pause here. Number one um,
0: Walmart. Uh, this one, you were very explicit and you said uh, Walmart's growth is going to slow way, way down. <laughs> 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 uh, because they're going to lap their grocery. <laughs> and people are just so tired of curbside grocery. They're just done with it. It's just so boring. Um, and then you said, and, and I'll I'll put a huge emphasis on the and here. And Mark Laurie leaves Walmart. So as you and I know with logic, you got to have both sides of that. And this is clearly not an or. So um, first of all, I thought you were going to win this one with that first, with the Mark Laurie thing. So, so, uh, this is a bit of news. Mark Laurie ha is leaving Walmart. Uh, it was announced this week, last week, last week. Yeah. Last week. And he's going to go build the city of the future. How exciting is that? You did not have that in your prediction. So I think that's a miss. You did. <laughs> if, if, you had, if you had had Mark Laurie leave Walmart to build the city of the future, I would have just like dropped the mic and given you a thousand points and walked off at this point in the show. Uh, so in all seriousness, the growth did not slow. The pandemic uh cut against you on this one. Um, you know, Walmart's been growing at a tremendous pace due to the pandemic and they were the only store open. So that has really helped them immensely during during these times. So um since you were generous with generous with me, I will be generous with you and that's definitely a half point, uh, because of the lorry part. But the first part is kind of smelly, so I think I'm being so, so generous here.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure it's any more smelly than Shopify will crater. Um, True. So I, I yeah. feel like we have parity there. The difference is I gave you half a. Uh, well, no, you only had the Shopify prediction. I, I feel like it's pretty clear this is a half point prediction. Um, my, I feel like my logic behind Walmart was sound and thrilled to be wrong. Uh, sorry, sorry for why I'm wrong, but obviously grocery dom- dramatically accelerated, so I couldn't, I couldn't have been more wrong on that half. Uh, uh but almost certainly the first place anyone uh heard that Mark Laurie uh might be leaving Walmart uh was was on our show a year ago. So Yeah. I'll take that. And then yeah, so so good work
0: on that one. Um but you missed the City of the Future thing. Yeah. Um and I'm gonna be excited. Uh you know, hopefully, Mark, if you're listening, we would love to be the podcasters for the City of the Future. I think I think we would be do a good job there. Jason wants to be. Would you say you want to be the marshal or the sheriff
1: or something? Uh, that you would be even on cooler, that, uh, especially if I get to wear like Mandalorian armor. But um, I, I was I was hoping for deputy mayor. Okay, deputy mayor. Do you get to ride a horse as deputy mayor, or no? Uh, I feel like if you're deputy mayor, you get to decide what you ride. The you guys have that census cowboy up
0: there in Chicago. You could you could borrow his horse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping um, the story, city of the future uh, is somewhere tropical, but I'm kind of worried that Manhattan is so affordable right now that he might buy that and turn it into a city of the future. Brooklyn, strict, through city of the future. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh,
0: your number two uh, was related to Amazon, and you did a little clever hedging here. You, you said they're going to open an affordable grocery concept, uh, and the digital grocery wars will heat up. Um, you were really right on the digital grocery work part of that, that one. Um, how do you score yourself on the opening up an affordable grocery concept?
1: Uh, I score myself a hundred percent. Um, they, we now have five Amazon fresh stores in, uh, California and two in Chicago.
0: And then what's the, uh, that's the big one that has the, the dash cart thing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's dash cart. It's like a 20,000 square foot grocery store. Um, and it's it's, uh, you know, very competitive prices on mainline groceries as opposed to the the expensive premium uh, brands that are exclusively carried at Whole Foods. Whole paycheck. Exactly. Um, they hate okay, that. Cool. Yeah. So that's a that's a plus one. Yeah. And grocery wars heated up more than I uh, could have ever known thanks to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a you nailed that one. Um, Number three, owned brands uh, continue
0: to grow five percent of retail and to um to five percent of retail in twenty nineteen could be eight to ten percent in twenty twenty as measured by IRI for CPG private label. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the back end of that means, but uh
1: yeah. How did how did you do? Uh I got it. I I'll be honest. Um so IRI is a data reporting company that tracks uh uh sales by product category and. In- uh, the grocery and mass space. And they, um, they have a, a data set for private label. Um, in hindsight, I inadvertently sandbagged this a little bit. I think the spirit of what I intended, uh, was that, uh, private label would rapidly grow in 2020. And that, that has absolutely been true. It's growing at like four times the pace of national brands. Um, the penetration, according to IRI, is actually a little higher than I wrote here. So they're at 15% right now. Um, so I feel like I, uh, I I hit both the spirit and I inadvertently lapped the number more than I meant to. Wow. Now, do they break out private, what you call, you have a
0: differentiation? Yeah, no, I do differentiate
1: name. exclusive brands versus private label, and they don't. To them, it's all private label. Um, they do break it out by subcategories like fresh, froge, frozen, um, shelf stable stuff like that. Um, the it was a big year for private label. Target launched uh, at the very beginning of the year a significant new brand that they expect to um, uh, good and gather. They expect to it, it to eventually be a twenty billion dollar year brand, um, and it sold more than two billion dollars in the first year. So. The those brands are selling really well. Like every digitally native brand we've ever talked about that gets all this buzz, not one of them has sold two billion dollars in a year. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, but so I'm taking um, that one. Okay, that fair
0: enough. Um, so that puts you at two and a half. So within striking distance of me. So hopefully your next two are total misses. Yeah. Uh number four for you was installment payments heat up. At least one company is acquired and you listed affirm,
1: after pay, Klarna. I like to say that one. Quad pay and sizzle. I made this prediction exclusively so you could say Klarna. Sizzle. Klarna.
0: Yeah. Klarna. Um uh, so this one was a win, so A firm went public. Afterpay is public now? They did a spAC? Yeah. What happened? They they spacked it up. Let me see. I can't remember. They you no, know, they went uh they did a public offering in Australia. That's why it was weird. Yeah, I remember it was like kind of a little unusual, it wasn't listed in the US. Um so they did an IPO. Not, you know, if I were gonna be nitpicky, I would say neither of them was acquired, which is your prediction. Um, but it did heat up. Um, it's funny, I, I've been meaning to send you some screenshots. I was buying a couple things. And literally four of these would be on the the checkout. And it was really weird because they would have they're almost competing at the checkout with like different offers. So some of them would say two payments of fifty nine and another one would say six payments of four. <laughs> and I was like sitting there like, Oh my God, like as an average consumer, the the calculus on this thing is is kind of wacky of how to figure out which of these twelve offers is gonna be best.
1: Yeah, yeah, the um, cognitive load can get pretty high when they start NASCARing up the checkout with multiple buy now, pay later <laughs> options. Yeah, and at some point, it it seems like it would hurt conversions because there's like the uh, what's that thing about choice you guys talk about all the time? Yeah, uh, paradox yeah. of choice is what you're thinking, yeah, of, but yeah,
0: yeah, there's just so a lot like, more friction.
1: Yeah,
0: once you got four of them, you got to be like, eh, I'm not going to buy this thing now, yeah, um, so. So that puts you over the top at
1: three and a half, right there. Yeah, um, you can hear the music. Uh, and in fairness, I, like if you were going to be a real estate grader, I actually don't think any of these got acquired. Like per your point, um, the partly because it, it heated up faster than I expected, and their valuations are too high to get acquired now. Like for the most part, um, the uh, a firm did their IPO last week, and I think it went up ninety percent after the. So they underpriced it.
0: Yeah, it's now a bad IPO if you don't more than double on the first day. Gotcha. Uh, we'll have to do knows? a whole show on that. Um, and then your last one, uh, I feel, uh, you know, even though uh, I'm I'm losing, I feel good for you because you've been talking about this for literally uh, since the first day I met you. You are probably like, the first day I met you, you were probably like, let's talk about QR codes and how excited I am about them. So this is uh, like me uh, claiming, you know, making my annual prediction that Amazon's going to compete with FedEx. Uh, I know it's going to happen. I, it just has never, I've given up on it at this point. Um, so you predicting QR codes, you get the persistent award you've been saying <laughs> for years. So, you know, um, every time I go to one of the restaurants here in North Carolina, that's open, I think of you because I have to scan a QR code to get my menu. And then I do this cool little scan of a, Uh, another, the little receipt to pay um, and, you know, QR codes are definitely back. You totally called this one the pandemic. Um, You got the pandemic assist. So that was a solid win. Any other interesting use cases you've seen?
1: Yeah, no. So per your point, like, obviously I did not foresee the COVID use cases, but all these contact us things, you know, certainly came up. Um, The, the thing we talked about just a second ago, the bill me now pay me later, pay later um, services, have introduced a lot more QR codes because they, you know, they started out offering their service online and not in stores. And then as they got bigger, they all wanted in-store solutions, and those are mostly activated via an in-store QR code. So, like, uh, I, I want to say, Afterpay, uh, you can now use it like CVS drugstore with a QR code. Um, PayPal rolled out in-store payments with a QR code. And then uh, of course thanks to covid um, uh, Starbucks uh, mobile payment just completely exploded and so they've they say now that over 25 percent of all their sales are are via QR code so so lots of uh, di- different use cases and then um, a few stores are starting to roll them out on on shelf edge as well for product information so some some walmart uh prototype stores and uh, uh a few other stores letting you scan q r codes uh to get product information in the store the Nike house of innovations yeah well
0: congratulations you uh you cleaned my clock this year so four point five versus three so that was a ninety percent prediction rate very very impressive my friend
1: uh even a broken clock is right twice a year uh or twice a day but uh, yeah <laughs> i'm I ruined that one. Uh, that was ironic. Yeah, I uh, I will say I'm super grateful because I feel like you and I have both had this thing where we predicted something that didn't happen, and then we skipped a year and it happened. Yeah, like, like uh, uh, Alexa earbuds, for example, or something. You know, and so I'm, yeah, I'm, and that I'm, was I'm, one I made for a while, and then it finally happened the year I didn't make it. Exactly, exactly. So I'm grateful that I didn't uh, miss the QR year.
0: Well, a blind squirrel finds a broken clock at least twice a year.
1: So yeah. As you yeah. as everyone I'm, knows. I'm clearly not the sharpest bulb in the drawer.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh hopefully that f- flows into your predictions. Uh let's since you are the winner and the champion of twenty twenty, what do you have in store for listeners for twenty twenty one predictions?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well I'm excited about these for now. We'll see what happens a year from now. Um but so prediction number one. Uh, made-to-order apparel business uh, achieves nine figures in revenue. So that's a hundred million dollars if I did my math right. Um, I'm super bullish on these on made-to-order uh, taking a significant chunk out of the apparel business. As as people may know, um, Amazon launched a made-to-order T-shirt. Uh, M. Taylor, Nike, uh, a lot, a lot of um folks doing pilots and kind of um dipping their toe last year. And so I'm going to go out on a limb and say at least one of these catches some scale in uh, 2021. Okay.
0: Uh, uh, what are some examples of some of the companies? This does not have to be part of your prediction. I'm not nailing you down to a specific.
1: Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure. Yeah, so, so Amazon exactly. made for me um, product would be one uh, in okay. Taylor Indochino uh Nike ID, um, proper cloth, uh, Doesn't Adidas have one where you can, like, print the soles or something? Yeah. So there's a ton in footwear um, that's kind of cosmetic personalization. So uh, uh, Vans, Converse, Adidas. Um, Adidas had a custom sweater pilot. Um, There's a a small direct-to-consumer apparel brand called the Ministry of Supply that has some interesting, like, in-store weaving machines. So there's... Mm -hmm. There's uh a number of things. It's mostly been a novelty up till now. So um I uh I feel like this is a stretch prediction to get to hundred million in revenue. Okay. Uh we will see. And you're sure Nike ID already isn't there? Uh so that's gonna be a tricky one because to my <laughs> I know, knowledge you're
0: sandbagging them.
1: they don't break out the revenue for that. So I like I doubt I'll be able to use that one as a win. Okay. All right, I'm going to have to come back and listen to this if next year you use it as a win. Yeah. All right. Uh <laughs> I can bank on you not remembering it and not be willing not be willing to re-, re- uh, listen to the show. I just set a calendar appointment for for January
0: 21 nice. 2022. So, I'm uh, I'm ahead of you.
1: Yeah. So, prediction number 2, uh a retailer will offer a viable health insurance alternative uh to consumers. So, the spirit of this retailers are totally leaning into healthcare initiatives. Uh, Amazon of course, uh, went all in with a pharmacy. Uh, they offer some healthcare options for employees at this point. So that could become consumer facing. Walmart has opened a handful of, um, healthcare clinics. Walgreens, uh, just announced, a, a significant new division with 200 employees focused on delivering healthcare. So, um, my uh I am uh, predicting that one of these gets to scale and offers uh uh a, a viable nationwide healthcare alternative that does not require traditional insurance. Okay, and you so this is pretty brave given Amazon just unwound
0: their their initiative with uh was it JP Morgan and
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh um but I am I'm banking on the fact that they unwound that because they think they have a better solution on their own. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, So, so then number three, uh, we talked about the grocery wars heating up last year, and then, of course, thanks to COVID, they heated up a lot more than than expected. Um, so uh, I think that the interesting one this year is I am predicting that they are going to stay at these very high levels. Um, our friend Sucharita from Forrester just wrote a grocery article yesterday. And she talked about how it was a huge year for digital grocery, but in 2021, all the restaurants are going to open back up and that she expected digital grocery uh, to shrink back down, maybe not to pre-pandemic levels, but to go down a lot. Um, I actually don't think that's going to happen. I think that uh, a ton of people have formed a new digital grocery habit. I'm not saying they're going to do all their grocery shopping online, but I think on a go-forward basis – a big chunk of people are going to do uh, a, a significant piece of their grocery shopping online. And so I think um, next year uh, that for 2021, 10% of all groceries will be sold online. Um, and uh, I, I think as a result of that, retailers are going to have to invest in operationalizing those, those services and making them more profitable. So I think it's pretty likely that a, 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 uh, at least one retailer will roll out these, these uh, micro fulfillment centers um, uh, on a a broader basis than just a pilot.
0: Okay, cool.
1: And specifically for grocery though, because
0: do they, are you envisioning they would need to be refrigerated or?
1: or Yeah. Most of them are at least two climate zones. Many are three climate zones. So frequently they have like ambient refrigerated and frozen. Mm, Three climate zones. Nice. Yeah. Is rainforest an option? Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's an option. It doesn't seem like a practical option. But maybe if you're selling yeah. like fish or plants in your in your <laughs> micro fulfillment center, bananas.
0: You want to keep your bananas fresh up on the. Uh, yeah. All on right. The, on the coconut trees.
1: All right. Not sure that's how All that right. works, but okay. Uh, number four. So then number four, and this is why I'm glad I'm going first because I, I feared that I would be stealing a prediction from you. Um, so the. Uh, there was a lot of buzz last year that Jeff Bezos got, was getting personally involved in a Shopify competitor. And so, uh, so my prediction is that Amazon will launch a Shopify competitor, <laughs> uh, which doesn't seem that bold given that it, uh, it, was, it was strongly rumored last year. Um, but my specific prediction is I think I have an idea of what it will be, and I don't think it's what most people are expecting. I think most people are um, expecting them to launch some kind of web store that competes with Shopify. And I think uh, what Amazon's going to do to compete with Shopify is they're going to open up their fulfillment network to, um, for, uh, for, third, uh, for sellers to fulfill their orders um, from their own websites. And on a limited basis, Amazon has done this in the past and even does a little bit of this now. But I think they're really gonna productize and make a lot more competitive an offering where you put your inventory in the Amazon logistics network and when you collect orders on your own website, uh Amazon will cost effectively deliver them using their own delivery fleet. Hmm. Okay. So they'll make
0: FBA kind of like more of a generic shipping solution. Exactly.
1: Kind of like Exactly. Almost a like standalone offer a that doesn't require Bob the Amazon solutions. marketplace. Exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. We
1: and then see. I have so, a, one so more. no
0: front end uh, SMB e-commerce thing. It's part of that. Well, or? in
1: fairness, my specific um, prediction is not that they won't do that, but I will, I personally will be very surprised if they do that. Okay. All right. So um, you're keeping it generic so you can catch a lot of possible things. Yeah, I'm Trying to keep it reasonable. Exactly. Uh, the The so my fifth prediction uh goes back to a a trend that you were talking about uh, the the Amazon media. Um, and I do think Amazon media is going to continue to be the by far the biggest player of the retailers, but there's a ton of effort going on uh behind other retailers to get in on that action as well. So, Walmart has uh, you know, launched a major media initiative, the Walmart Media Group Target has an initiative called Target Rundell. Kroger has an initiative called Kroger Precision Marketing. Um, And perhaps the fastest growing of all these, growing faster even than Amazon, is Instacart, who is like one of the biggest beneficiaries of COVID, uh, is now selling a ton of media. So I think in aggregate, all of these retailers selling ads are going to exceed $20 billion in ad sales in in, uh, 2021. Okay. Very cool. That'll be interesting, too. Do we have a way of tracking that? Uh, we do. Not a perfect way, um, but a number of the the stock analysts uh, report on that. Um, E-Marketer has done uh, uh, estimates on, on that in the past. Um, and uh, some pieces of it we have actual data for. Cool.
0: And then, um, you know, one of the things one of the the behind the scenes things listeners may not know is we always do six predictions in case some of our collide. And I don't think we had collisions. Can you, do you want to reveal your sixth as kind of yeah. a bonus?
1: Yeah. You, you correctly predicted that over 8,000 stores would close last year. Um, and a lot of people feel like 2020 was the peak COVID year and there are all these, you know, uh, extra things. Um, I actually think 2021 is going to be worse for store closures than 2020. So I'm predicting that we'll have more uh, this year than we did last year. Okay. So over eight thousand seven hundred and thirty-one, Exactly. 31. All right. That's a very specific prediction. I like it. It, When I wrote it, it wasn't that specific, but then you had to. (laughs) So, so Scott, what 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 do you think is going to happen this year?
0: Yeah. Uh so you know, this one's tough because I, I definitely feel the pain this year. I, I think I think I've had three or four years of, of pretty well walloping you, so it felt really weird to to not win this year. So uh dug deep on these and, and hopefully I'll I'll reverse it for next year. So number one, um it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show without talking about Amazon a little bit more. So I do have an Amazon prediction. Um I do think that they are going to use so they used COVID to really scale up this DSP program, and as you and I have talked about Shippageddon, they were somewhat immune from Shippageddon because they controlled their own destiny. I think they're going to really flex on that, and I think I think COVID has the silver lining to Amazon of COVID around shipping is I think it's given them the path to get to same day Prime um, for you know a lot more places and a lot more skus. So I think we're going to see them really crank up one day shipping. Um, So that's my prediction.
1: Okay. And uh, like, do you, how, how do you envision that gets quantified? Like what does crank up mean? Like it gets used a lot more or they offer it a lot more places or. I think there'll be an
0: announcement. And I would, you know, I would imagine it'll come in kind of Q3 where Amazon's going to announce for the holidays, you know, a, you know, uh, millions of items available for same day delivery through the holiday period, something like that. I think it'll be a pretty material, okay. you know, kind uh, of I change. And I think they're going to execute it. And then um, I actually had written this down and then there was a, an article that came out that talked about how they're going to use these little micro DCs. There's, there's an article. I think it was, I think it's squarely in the speculation. Do you remember who is it that, that is it those guys in Seattle that come out with this stuff? A lot? Um, uh, but anyway they were speculating that Amazon's going to open up 2000 kind of micro DCs um so I, I don't know about a specific number like that but um you know it was interesting that i think i think a lot of people are seeing that this this could be the direction they go number 2 i i do think so my train of thought here is um you know if you're quote unquote arming the rebels in your shopify and and i was reluctant to make another shopify prediction but <laughs> but here we go so then i did too So, uh, in this one, I'm thinking if you're arming the rebels, you know, what with Shipageddon, what the rebels need, the rebels being smaller kind of retailers, they need a lot of help with shipping, right? So, um, FedEx and UPS are not adding enough capacity. They're really expensive for small guys. Um, So, then you're using USPS. They were a total epic fail during holiday 2020. So, um, and then Shopify is already kind of got one little toe in this water with their fulfillment by Shopify. I forget what they call it, but that's what I call it. Um, so, you know, um, if you're them and you're sitting on this massive hoard of cash and market cap, and you want to help your 300,000, uh, I forget the number, but this very large number of smaller businesses, the, you know, imagine having uh, Shopify trucks just kind of driving around, um, you know, uh, I think that would be really interesting and uh, it kind of ties with one of my other predictions, but um, I think, I think Amazon has proven to folks you can build last mile fulfillment, uh, you know, with a lot less than you would think. I think a lot of folks looked and said, well, I'll have to build FedEx. And that is, you know, $50 billion. But I think all in Amazon DSP program was, was relatively like under four or $5 billion from them to build out. Um, And you know what they did is they essentially use kind of almost like a franchise model where all these local entrepreneurs take a fair amount of the risk and do a fair amount of the execution, and then Amazon can can work the incentives in the system. So, so I think what's going to happen is Shopify will look at that, decode it, and I think it makes a ton of sense for someone else to do it. Sometimes I bounce between maybe like a, one of the ship bobs or some of those guys doing it, but I just don't think anyone else has the resources. I don't think Google would do it. I just don't think they would. They would do this. I don't think um, Walmart would do it. Uh, so I think someone's going to do it. And my best guess is it's going to be Shopify.
1: Interesting. Uh, one bit of uh, commerce news I'll throw in that maybe supports that is, um, uh, as listeners will know, the the traditional carriers often have these um, surge prices over holiday. And uh, now they've, they've announced that they're just going to keep the surge prices on. Um, so it's just, it's getting, it's getting more expensive and it's, it's, you know, it challenges the unit economics for a, for a lot of product categories. So um, having some alternatives could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: then um, my third prediction is also Shopify. So, so uh, you know, uh, since that worked out so well for me last time. Um, and then here again, if I'm arming the rebels um, uh, and I keep saying that, cause that's kind of like their little catchphrase now. Um, you know one of the things that's risky for shopify is i would bet that their stores in aggregate get 60% plus of their traffic from facebook and social um facebook and other social folks which are largely you know facebook's the 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 giant 800 pound gorilla here because they own uh instagram um You know, they have their own checkout they're starting to promote and Shopify is an option and whatnot. But at some point, the, you know, so I mentioned this earlier, these guys are under pressure. This ad model is under pressure from the privacy and the government and Amazon and everyone else. Um, They're increasing their work on marketplace and other commerce initiatives. Um, And then at some point, do they say, hmm, we want to power that checkout now and capture some economics from that? Because If you look at it, Shopify, almost, um, you know, a a very large portion of Shopify's revenue comes from monetizing the shopping cart. So things like Affirm, things like PayPal, things like their own payment system, um, et cetera. So someone is going to get greedy on that. And Facebook has kind of a pole position. So if you're Shopify, you need a hedge for that where you say, if the amount of traffic going to our aggregate stores goes down, we need to be able to drive them traffic. and you know shopify has been kind of creeping up on this this is where you you kind of uh, have disagreed they they had this app and i always forget what it used to be called it's now called the shop app and um it's really just basically tracking your package and and you know that kind of thing um but that could become a front door so you know i think shopify will have some option where you will be able to either get free traffic or buy traffic from some app that's installed on millions of phones that has some kind of a front door shopping experience. Now, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, I think it's going to be more at the store level, not the item level. So meaning you could say, I'm looking for stores that have really cool uh, Dutch ovens um, and it will show you those kind of things, but I don't think you'll be able to say, you know, star Wars, Mandalorian, six inch figure and, and get, you know, a result across all the, the Shopify stores. Interesting. All right. Any, did that make you throw up in your mouth? Uh,
1: no, uh, I like a lot of smart people think that that's going to be a play. Like it, um, and I, I'm not convinced it won't be. My point is just like everyone's like, oh my gosh, Shopify is winning and all these things. They're clearly going to do that. And my point is just um, generating traffic and marketing yourselves to consumers to get consumer eyeballs is a wildly different skill than anything Shopify's demonstrated. So none of their previous success to me, other than their access to capital really makes them likely to succeed in, uh, generating a lot of consumer traffic. So I, I, I just think it's, it has some risk and then it has some complication, um, in some ways that, that new service would compete with the rebels. Right. So that's, you know, always one of the, the conflicts of, of, uh, Having a, a marketplace and fulfilling, you know, uh, providing services to people that want to sell direct. So um, we we will see on that one. I do like to point out everyone, uh, they keep liking use that metaphor of arming the rebels. But if my Star Wars lore is correct, um, the rebels eventually took all those arms and they blew up an under construction Death Star with like a million enslaved construction workers on it. So I'm not sure that that's always a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's always a different perspective of who the rebels are, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so then my next one, uh, so this is number four, and this is COVID-related. And I keep reading these articles about, you know, here in 2021, um, and you and I have had vastly different views of when COVID will be be kind of over, Um you know, but, but, um, you know, what I've been reading is, uh, a lot of people are predicting that these new habits we formed will go away and will go kind of back to the old way of, of the old ways of pre COVID ways. Um, and I'm specifically saying, you know, we've the digital adoption. I've seen, num- I've seen a lot of surveys that say people are s- going to kind of have 30% of this kind of new digital lifestyle stick. I think that's actually the opposite. I think 70% is going to stick. And the reason why is uh, I like this phrase zero friction addiction. What once you've gotten used to this kind of digital lifestyle of stuff showing up at your house and you know the digital grocery and all the things that are going on, um, it it amplifies the friction of that experience uh, in a weird way that messes with your mind that that is hard to explain to people. Um, uh, and there's there's some interesting studies about this, but but I think. I think we're going to stay at this elevated adoption rate of digital. Um, We'll come down some, but I think it's going to stay a lot hotter than people think it will.
1: Yeah. uh, I certainly agree with the sentiment of that prediction. Um, I talk a lot about these behaviors being one way doors and two way doors. There some of the things people walk through. It's easy for them to walk back through later and other things. Once you go through that door, it's kind of a permanent decision. Um and I think a lot of these new behaviors are one-way doors. So I I generally agree uh um uh, you're going to uh this will be an interesting one with the judges next year because I'm not sure exactly how to quantify it, but
0: Yeah, let me say um could we use percentage of sales that are retail?
1: Sure, that, that are that digital, a, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Okay. What kind of percentage do you are you expecting? Well, the trick is that
0: the Four numbers not out, so I don't know where we landed last year. Uh, um,
1: so, where? So, uh, so we came January of 2020, uh, 13% of all retail. So, the broadest definition of retail, uh, straight from US commerce, 13% penetration. The peak of COVID, 19% penetration in April. And um, pretty consistently for the last four months of the year, 16%. So, we kind of jumped from 13 to 16 I've seen a chart that shows... 34, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my friends at McKinsey uh, that uh, smoked something and, and made a prediction that never came to fruition. Ooh. They, they did also... They were defining a narrower definition of retail. They were taking a bunch of things out of retail. They said it, can't, it doesn't include cars because people don't buy cars online. It doesn't include food because people don't buy food online. Um, and, of course, the... Both of those uh, hypotheses are totally wrong in COVID because people bought a lot of cars and food online.
0: Yeah, if this McKinsey company had a chief
1: digital research uh,
0: retail officer, then they would not have missed that one. So pretty brand.
1: confident McKinsey has people with longer titles than me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: so I will take. So all right. So you think it settled down in Q3 to sixteen percent? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's gonna come off thirty percent off high. So So I'll say we stick it well if I say fourteen, that's really not more than January, is it? Uh it's know. one more than January. Yeah, thanks. Uh I'll say we stay at sixteen. Okay. Bold. Let you're right. Okay, you're writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, prediction number five. Um this has been interesting. So there's a lot of really weird things going on in the financial markets. Um, we don't have time to go into them, but one of the ones that's fascinating is I, I mentioned earlier, IPOs are doubling. Um, you know, So and then uh, just this, just recently we had Poshmark go public and, and do quite well. Um, so I think what we're going to see is, uh, you know, and then there's this this weird thing. There's this this vehicle called a SPAC, which is a special purpose acquisition company where you create this shell of a company, it has a, you you raise capital into it, an optional capital. And then you say, this thing is a vehicle for going in and buying a company that will effectively go public. So it's this, this very kind of weird way to go public through a backdoor way. It used to be very, uh, kids today would call it sus, uh, which is short for suspicious. Now it's become kind of a thing. Um, so I think they're going to chew through a lot of the companies like Open door um, that are kind of unicorny and have a lot of buzz, and then I think it's going to become uh, it's going to start looking for a new space. And I think you know there's a lot of buzz around these DNVBs, um, so I think some of these DNVBs will will kind of go public through this mechanism. Um, so some of them would be like Keeps, um, Hims, Hers. Is that the right one? And then uh, there's a bunch in kind of like that category. There's a bunch in beauty. I could see uh, Glossier, they, they'll probably go the traditional route. Um, what's like a tier two to Glossier highly. Are they a tier two? I don't
1: know. Uh, I don't think they would call themselves tier two, but they're uh, yeah. I mean, there's a million South Korean health and beauty yeah. brands. Yeah. yeah. And maybe even like, um, you know, this could be
0: an exit. Venue. one of the th- trends that I've been fascinated by, but I didn't make a prediction on is this, there's these companies buying up, um, kind of micro brands that are born on Amazon and aggregating them together and forming companies. Um, we're actually going to have one on the show soon. Um, this could be an interesting exit vehicle for them. Um, so, so I, I think we're going to see a wave of that come through e-commerce in 2021 is my specific guess. Got it.
1: So someone buys up all the film mattress companies and spacks them up. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Spack them up. I like it. Is that gonna, uh, uh, is there any reason that they would clamp down on the spacks? It feels like they're, they're like super peaking. Is that an abuse in some way? Uh, you're more a government regulation guy than I am.
0: Uh, I'm sure they'll think of some reason. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. No, but I mean, it does, like just when you say it to a layman, it sounds kind of sketchy, right? Like it, it is a so, um, it's a way for
0: for more risky companies to make it into the public markets. Um, yeah. There's a school of thought that says there is an investor that, um, you know, that wants more exposure to those things. Right. Because, you know, it yeah. would have been great yeah, to more buy products before they went caveat ball, you know, import, give me a more wide range. Uh, but then there's another side of that argument that is, you know, these, these poor kids are on Robin hood and they saw a firm because they've seen it in a checkout and they just put, you know, $500 in there and, they feel good because it doubled, and you know if some of these hot IPOs or specs, uh, you know, uh, if they crater, then that's going to be a problem. There are several, th- there are some. Uh, so there's one um, Nikola. There's some in the electric car category that have no revenue and just pure speculative, and and they've you know they flopped over. That could create a wave of regulation that says, you know, it kind of depends on why we think companies are going public. Are they are they going public because they're sturdy and financially viable and vetted? Or is it that they have agreed that they will share their their information publicly and it's up to the investor to
1: decide what risk they want? Uh, Okay. yeah. And then I think that was five. So do you have a bonus? I do. I I think, um, you know,
0: I I see a lot, I watch a lot of CNBC and there's a fair number of talking heads that kind of say, you know, once COVID's off, they call it COVID on, COVID off. You know, once COVID's off, we're going to see an explosion of people going out and buying new outfits and stuff like that. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see the the I think we're going to see this kind of actual anti consumerism, materialism wave. Um, there's been a little bit of that generational, but I think it's going to be bigger. And I think it's going to be people wanting. You know, part of it's just going to be people spending money on doing stuff. There's so much pent up demand to go to concerts, vacations, leisure stuff, um, you know, whatever, whatever, the, you know, whatever that is. Um, uh, but then I think there's going to be this weird kind of, you know, anti-consumerism wave, if you will. Uh, and I think that's going to really advantage, uh, companies like the real, real thread up uh, a lot of those companies that are in kind of that, would you call it secondhand or consignment? I, I don't know the Previously right. Previously owned. Yeah. Previously owned gently, gently owned. Um, so, so, I think we're gonna see you know i I don't think we're gonna see people run out and buy you know six suits, so this is conversely you know this is bad for the Macy's, the Nordstroms, and those kinds of folks. I just don't think there's this huge pent up demand to buy you know fancy cocktail dresses and stuff
1: interesting, okay. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know how to measure this one. That's
0: why it's in the bonus category.
1: That totally, totally fair. I um. It's funny. Like in in uh, briefings I do on COVID, uh, I do talk a lot about a forthcoming roaring twenties. Um, that is kind of a backlash to to the pandemic. Um, but I'm with you. I think most of that is spending on services and experiences not material goods. Um, so that's people like, you know, craving to eat out more and go to more live concerts and events and things like that Uh, than it is, you know, filling up their closets with clothes. So I, I, I certainly think you're right there. I, for a variety of reasons, the clothes thing is going to, going to be uh not, we're not going to see a ton of growth in apparel regardless, except for the made to order that I predicted. Um, Math yeah. leisure seems to be yeah. resilient. So that'll be that'll be good. And um uh I think we've concluded our our predictions, but I did get a note from the intern while you were uh sharing yours that you were exactly right. Our first prediction show was January seventh, twenty sixteen. So this is our um sixth sixth uh prediction show, which is remarkable oh, how about that but more fun he sent me your 2016 predictions um and one of them you used again this year really which yeah. one so your six predictions uh 2016 will be the year of chat commerce no uh Amazon will make Oops. some big moves in logistics yes jet will get acquired yes um Google will make uh, a bold move uh in e-commerce that surprises <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a retread, man. I like it. And then uh Alibaba Singles Day Won't work in the US. Yes. So you did really well for our inaugural show. Um and the one that you might not have gone right, I didn't check with how we scored it. The one you probably got four out of five, and the one you didn't get right, you're still you're still uh reviving for this year. So I love it.
0: I'm persistent. I've learned from your persistence on QR codes. <laughs> did you predict QR codes? No, no, I'm retiring
1: as QR code champion. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah. Well, Scott, uh, it will surprise no one that it has happened again. We have blown through our allotted time. We thought this would be a shorter show because we didn't have the 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 year recap in it, but we managed to stretch it out to an hour anyway. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, it was fun to listen to as as much fun as it was for us to make. And if you enjoyed it, we'd love that five star review. Um, especially shout out to all you listeners who have listened to all six versions of the prediction show. Uh, we're, we're certainly grateful for your, your, your support and, uh, your continued allegiance.
0: Thanks everyone. Uh, feel free to let us know your predictions on Twitter. Uh, I'm Scott Wingo with one T Jason is retail geek with two E's and geek. <laughs> uh and over on linkedin uh we we have a page and then on facebook um we look forward to hearing what you think will happen in 2021 and until
1: next time happy commercing you've been listening to the jason and scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing subscribe to us on itunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com
0: huh.